Every year, uh, we like doing uh, some sort of Advent series, but this year, I wanted to mix it up a little bit, and so I want to talk about a little bit of the Christmas carols that we sing every year. So if we can, if you guys brought your Bibles, or you can tune in the screens behind me, I want to turn to Lamentations chapter 3, verse 20. I know Lamentations is not a very uh, Christmassy scripture, but I'm going to tell you exactly how it can tie in with the specific carol, O Holy Night. As you turn there, I just want to share some fun facts with you. One of them is this. Did you know that O Holy Night was written in the mid-1800s, not by a priest or a pastor or even a Christian? It was actually uh, written by a guy named Placide Capiao, who was a really good writer of poetry, and was actually a wine merchant by trade. And so the Catholic Church approached him and said, hey, um, turn to Luke chapter 2, and if you can write a beautiful poem about this, we'd really appreciate that. So this guy started writing this poem, and he's like, you know what, this poem is so good, we need some music to it. And so he goes out and seeks the best musician in town, who is also not a Christian, and he says, hey, can you put some music to this song, this, this poem. And so after he was done, the song was a huge hit in the early, with the early Catholics, and it went all over the world, literally all over the world, and everyone was singing it, and then the Catholics or the priests found out, saying, hey, uh, did you know the guys who wrote this, they weren't Christians? They weren't believers. And so they did everything they could to try to stop the song, but it was so popular, it got out of control. How are you guys are thankful for that, amen? So here's another fun fact. Fast forward uh, quite a bit uh, to 1906. There was a guy by the name of Reginald Fessenden. He was a 33-year-old college professor who built a new type of generator, plugged a microphone into it, and broadcasted the very first AM broadcast and broadcasted it on Christmas Eve. But here's the cool part. What he broadcasted was him reading Luke chapter 2, exactly what O Holy Night is about, the story of Jesus' birth, and then he picked up his violin and played the famous carol, which was the first song in history of the world to be played over the radio. So this song, you can look it up, you can fact check it, it's totally true. And so O Holy Night has a lot of meaning, it had a lot of firsts in our world's history. And so the song O Holy Night is one of my favorite songs to sing during the time, and it tells the incredible story of Jesus being born, and the first verse tells us that a thrill of hope entered the world, and while during the night while Jesus was born, when the sun rose the next day, the first day that changed the course of the world. But I also want to point out something that the carol misses. Um, a lot of the carols miss, actually, and so I'm not just picking on this carol, but there's something that the carol misses. Every year uh, we break out our Christmas stuff. How many of you guys decorated your house for Christmas already? We did, and so every year we break out our Christmas stuff and we have these nativity scenes that we, we put up. And so the kids have their own nativity scene. It's like the rubber figurine so the kids can play with them. Um, and I think it's in their toy box now from last Christmas and like baby Jesus is missing an arm and Mary's missing a leg. And it's not a very beautiful nativity. So we left that away uh, so people don't come out and be like, oh my goodness, what happened to the nativity scene? Uh, so that's the kids is. Um, then we have another one that was given to me by my mother-in-law and this is nativity scene. But instead of human humans in the nativity, it's bears, black bears, super unbiblical, but really cute. And so we got that set up, and so that was given to my, from my mother-in-law, awesome thing. But then we have this third nativity set given to me by my grandmother, and this nativity set is nice. Like, yell at your kids when they get close to it, nice. 
And so it's like super, super nice. And, 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 and the wise men gifts, they're the real thing. We have a little box with like gold flakes in it. So if you guys want to rob our house, get that one. Get all like 25 cents of it. Um, we have chunks of frankincense and myrrh that you can break up and release the scent in your house. So you can actually experience the nativity scene. And when we set up this nativity scene, they're cute and they depict a beautiful, quiet scene. But how many guys know that night was anything but quiet? It was anything but quiet. The scene that night was like a young girl between 15 and 16 years old. So teenagers, if you can, put yourself in her shoes. She's carrying this baby Jesus in her stomach. And she's betrothed to this guy named Joseph. They never slept together. But Joseph is trusting her that she is truly a virgin and is carrying the Messiah. And then she goes into labor and they have to go on a donkey ride for 120 miles. Like my wife, we took her to the hospital in my Toyota Sienna. She thought that was uncomfortable. Imagine a donkey ride, people. A donkey ride. And so she's gone, and she's on this donkey ride, and when they get there, there's no room in the inn. We know the story. And so they found what, what the scholars say is, is more like a cave where they kept the, the animals, and Joseph and Mary had to stay there. Can you imagine, men, the weight on Joseph's shoulder going to your pregnant wife saying, babe, uh... <laughs> Can't stay at the inn, but the barn over there is open. Not a very good first honeymoon. And so they go there, and, and, and she go, Mary goes into labor, and that night she's delivering the Messiah in a barn that, if you can use your imagination with me this morning, it was far from sterile. There was cattle and donkeys and chickens, everything else. And also remember, it's during the census, and so there was other people that couldn't get room at the inn as well. And so there's more, more likely than not, this is just reading it and studying it, there's probably other people in the nativity scene with them. And little girl Mary had to go into labor. And Joseph, the dad, I, just, I mean, he's never been with Mary. He hasn't seen Mary. And all of a sudden, he has to step up. Guys, get in the football position and get ready to catch the Messiah, the Savior of the world. We sing the song, Did Mary Know? Yes, she knew exactly what was happening. She knew who, who was coming into the world, and Joseph was just, it was just getting ready. I mean, you talk about not a quiet night. I mean, we just had our, our newborn baby, Brooklyn, uh, six weeks ago, and I thought that was stressful. I mean, Joe says, oh, I have to push, and the baby's coming, and the nurse is all around us and says, oh, no, no, baby doesn't need to come. And they're looking at their watch, and they're calling the doctor, and they're like, we're leaving voicemails. And their, their words are saying, you can wait, but their facial expression says, doctor better get here, or something's going to happen. And so Jill had to wait like 30 minutes before we can push baby Brooklyn into the world. And I thought that was super stressful. But imagine the birth of our Messiah. It wasn't a quiet, cute nativity scene. It was actually very loud and hectic, not clean, and probably different than what we could ever imagine. Mary's night, if I could put it in one word, was probably weary. Very weary. But the very next day, as the dawn broke around the world, history changed. And this is what I want to talk about today, and something that the carol mentions. It's in that verse that says, A thrill of hope, 
the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Two things that I understand and I believe the world understands is first, being weary. How many of you guys have been weary before? Just down and out, just broken, just tired, uh, frustrated, burned out. But there's another word in there that I don't think our world gets enough. And us Christians, I, I, I think we can have it, but maybe we don't display it or share it. But it's the word hope. Hope. How many of you guys have hope this morning? Some of us, we may have a lot of hope and we're doing well. But maybe there's some of us this morning, we just have, we, we, it's, it's like hope is way out there and we can't seem to grasp it. And I would dare say that's probably where Mary was that night when she was giving birth in a place that she thought this, this is not how it's supposed to be. Where's your hope at this morning? I want to share this message in Lamentations chapter 3, 20 through 26. And then what's happening here is it's the fall of Jerusalem and the prophet, a young prophet named Prophet Jeremiah, he was just heartbroken to what happened to his hometown. And he's crying out. And as the, the name of the book gives away, he's lamenting. He's just, he's down and out. He, he's just full of stress. And I, I wouldn't even go far. He's, he's a little bit depressed. And he's almost to the point being so weary of what happened that he's grasping at any hint of hope that he can. And I was, I want you guys to read this with me, and I want you to see his attitude. Verse 20, it says this, it says, My soul continually remembers it when it is bowed down within me, meaning his heart is broken. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Now, I want you to underline that because a lot of times, I'm going to preach this a little bit this morning, is a lot of times you have to be the best preacher in your life. I'm going to say that one more time. Sometimes you have to be the best preacher in your life to yourself. Because just as Lamentations, Prophet Jeremiah says, he says, I am down and out, but I have to preach to myself, put things back into memory of the good things that the Lord did in my life and in my past and what I read in Scripture. And I think so many times we come to Sunday mornings and we think, you know what, this is the magic pill to get me through the week. And I would tell you, a lot of times Sunday mornings is to help you out to get through the week, but it's not the thing that you need. The thing you need, you need that personal time with Jesus Christ himself. Spend time in prayer and worship. And then remind yourself when you're going through the shadows of death, who your God is. But this is what he, this is what he calls in a mind. Look what he says, Jeremiah. He says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. I'm going to remind myself of that. His mercies never come to an end. Remind yourself of that. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. For the Lord, he, he's my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in who? In him. I'll hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that the one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. What's he saying? He's saying he knows that today is not going well. He knows that what he's, the season he's in, it's not the best season that he's ever experienced. But he doesn't stay there in the attitude. In fact, he calls to mind that the Lord brings so much to this life that it actually gives him hope in the times that are not the best in this life. And I think in the world that we live in, we get down in a season. You turn on media, you look at Facebook, you see all the, the earthquakes and all the fires and all that stuff. And it's so easy to sit in misery and become weary of the world that we live in. But Jeremiah, he makes the point, he says, do you know what? It's not good to stay here. 
We got to bring those things in mind that the Lord wants us to see. Come on, church. You have to remember that your God is good. Your God is merciful. His graces are new every single morning that the Lord is faithful to those who reside within him. And Jeremiah, if you read his life story, he knows this better than anyone else. And he says, you know what? The Lord's still good. The Lord is still good. This carol talks about something that's interesting, that once that Jesus was born, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Let me translate that for you. It says, the carol is saying, because Jesus is born, imagine this with me, church. Because our Messiah came into this world, the weary world who was trapped in its sin now has a thrill of hope, and it can rejoice and that while we were trapped in the darkness of night, the morning is coming in all of its newness and glory because the Son of God is now here. Come on, church. Are you guys hearing me this morning? Everything has changed. Before, they were caught in, in, in legalism, and they had to do things in order to receive that forgiveness and have that little speck of hope. But now, because Jesus came into this world, the whole world can receive this thrill of hope. And I think we need that during this Christmas season. And that's the thing that's different between us and the world. Because we have this hope that never ceases and never fades away. But sometimes it may feel like that. Sometimes it may feel like we're getting weary. Sometimes we may feel like we did Mary on that night and say, this is not how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a different way. And the new day begin, begin with Christ, and everything is different now. Why? Because a day with Jesus can change everything. Do we believe that? A day with Jesus can, believe, can, can change everything and change. And in fact, it changed the course of the world. As soon as that sun rose, everything was different. Everything was changed. And I want to show you today, over the next few moments, what a day with Jesus can bring. I want to show you what a day with Jesus will do for your life. Number one is this. A day with Christ brings exactly what you need. A day with Christ brings exactly what you need. Go back to Lamentations 3.24. This is what Jeremiah said. He said, the Lord is my portion, meaning that this is my share of the Lord, and it's exactly what I need. Therefore, I will hope in him. I think a lot of times we, we, we wake up in the morning and, and we have our, our want list and we bring it to Jesus like it's, Jesus, these are the things that we need. And I think a lot of times Jesus kind of hears these things and he's thinking, no, 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 those are more like wants. I know what you need. Receive the portion that I have for you. And it's so easy, it is so easy, especially in our American culture, to say, Lord, I need this. I, I, I need a bigger house. I'll be happy. God, I, I, need a, I need a better car. Lord, I need a better paying job. Lord, I need a better spouse. God, I need different kids. Lord, I, I, I need all these different things. And, and, and then that, like, that will give me hope. And Lord, it says, I have given you exactly what you need. That day that I was born in this world, that, that's exactly what you need. A day with Jesus will give you exactly what you need. 
And I think the reason why he gives you exactly what you need is because there's a lesson he wants you to learn. You see, check this out. It's the same lesson that the Israelites had to learn when they were in the desert. You guys know the story. The Israelites are wandering out in the desert for a long, long time. And so they're out there and they're praying and saying, Lord, we're, we're hungry. We're hungry. We're hungry. And the Lord hears them and says, you know what? I'm going to give you some manna for the day. And so God brings down manna and it's just enough for the Israelites. But the problem is that some of the Israelites were trying to hoard some and keep it for the next day. You know what happened to the manna? It spoiled, it rot, it became rot, it was disgusting, they couldn't eat it. And they would just complain and say, Lord, why, like, like what's going on? Like, we went through yesterday, and, and today we tried to live off yesterday's blessing, but today, God, what's going on? But here's the thing, church, God's blessings are new every single day. Every single day. And the Lord was trying to tell the Israelites, he's saying, do you know what? I'm exactly what you need for today. And while you're living on the blessings of today, I'm already working in tomorrow for what you need the next day. Come on, church. I mean, that's how good our God is. The Lord will give you exactly what you need. It's the same concept that Jesus taught his disciples when he taught them to pray, give us today our daily bread. Notice it doesn't say yearly bread. It doesn't say monthly bread or the bread that I think I need or the bread that will last me forever. It, it, God is going to give you daily exactly why, what you need. And why does he do that? Because he wants you to know you need to trust and rely in him. You need to know your God is big enough and he's more than enough for your life. And so that's what he does. And church, this is so true because when I go through a day spending time with Jesus, I can tell. If I wake up and I do my stuff, I, I read some scripture, I pray maybe some worship, I can tell that I spent time with Jesus. It seems like my day is just better. I, I, I have more patience for people. The kids don't get on my nerves as bad. Uh, I go through the day with more uh, optimistic perspective. Uh, I'm more likely to greet people as I'm out. And if I'm in a bad situation and life hits the hardest, I feel like I'm more likely to overcome. It's just like my day is better when I receive daily what, the God, what God wants for me. But when I don't, life is rough. I mean, I, I get negative. It is not good. I mean, I mean, the kids, they'll, they'll do something as simple as spill their Cheerios on the floor and I snap. Like, I, 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 I can't stand people. It's, it's just like, it's like, it's like they're annoying me. I'm like, like, Lord, like, what is this thorn in my side? And God's saying, you needed to come to me this morning and you didn't. Why? Because I missed out on my daily bread. You need Jesus daily because he gives you exactly what you need. A day with Christ brings exactly what you need. Number two, a day with Christ brings you the hope to keep going. The hope to keep going. Remember the thrill of hope that causes the weary world to rejoice. But you know who received this thrill of hope? You know who received it? Those who have their faith in Jesus Christ. Those who have their faith in Jesus Christ receive that thrill of hope. Lamentations 3.25, we know this because Jeremiah, he goes on and says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. You know what we're really bad at? Waiting. I like using this mic because I can emphasize words. But man, I mean, like we were, like you go to Walmart, self-checkout, speedy checkout, do it myself. 
pick up at Walmart. I love that. Praise God. But you know why they do that? Because we hate waiting. We want it now. We want it my way. And we don't want to wait till tomorrow. We want it now. But Jeremiah says something very, that, that contradicts the way we behave in, in our culture. He says, the Lord is good to those who wait on Jesus. And I think the key word in that church is wait. Sometimes we just have to wait. Sometimes we just have to sit there, and even though the season is not going as well as we think it should be, we need to sit there and just remind us of the goodness of, of Jesus Christ and just wait for God to come through. Or wait for his direction. I think a lot of times that when we get tired of waiting, we make the excuse of, oh, the Lord is leading me to do this. But how many times when you act on where you think you should be going, it doesn't turn out the way it should be. And then we get upset, like, Lord, why did you take me to this place? And God is saying, I didn't take you there. You went through that door all on your own. But if you would have waited... And if you would receive the daily portion that I have for you, and if you just kept your ear open to my voice... I give you the hope that you need. Some translations say the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, meaning Jesus. Church, where is your hope this morning? Or maybe I should say, who is your hope in? What is your hope in? Like, like, really, because I think we would all say Jesus, but our actions may speak differently. Like, today, I hope in Jesus, tomorrow, you know, we got to get all the Christmas presents we can because if we don't have all the Christmas presents, we're not going to have a good Christmas. If my spouse doesn't start acting this way, if my kids don't start behaving like that, if my life doesn't look like Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, what's your hope in? If I don't have the perfect career, if I don't make this much money, Where's your hope at? Because if it's in Jesus, our actions need to be different. Is there hope in our bank account? Is it in our, our spouse, our job, our, or maybe in ourselves? Those, they, they may look like good places to put your hope in, but the problem lies in the fact that all of those, please hear this, church, all of those places, everything in this world that you put your hope in can and will fail you. Even your spouse. You know why? Because they're not Jesus. They're not God. I think a lot of times when we have rough spots in our marriage or just in our life, it's because we've misplaced our hope. We've edified people and things to a place that they cannot succeed in because they're not Jesus. Where's your hope at? Because it's the hope of Jesus Christ that keeps you going. It's the hope that says, today is terrible, but you know what? Tomorrow is a new day. It's the hope that knows that right now you're in a dark time, but hope also knows that in the morning it's coming and will bring a new light to your, to your situation. It's the hope that keeps you going, but the hope that is in Jesus Christ. And I want to share this verse. I want to just stay here for a little bit because I pray the next things that I, I'm, I feel like the Lord is leading this message. I, I pray it hits a few of you because the Lord spoke very clearly that we live in a almost hopeless world. Hebrews 10, 23 says this. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Underline this next part, without wavering. 
For he who promised is faithful. There was a doctor that said this about the importance of hope. He says, you can live 40-some days without food. You can live eight-some days without water, but you can only live around four minutes without oxygen, but you can only live a few seconds without hope. And I think that's very true in the day and age we live in. We live in a world that wants us to let go of our hope and hold on to our fears, hold on to our stress, hold on to our anxiety and our disappointments. And when you do that, please hear me, your hope begins to waver. And when your hope begins to waver, you start thinking things like, what's the point? Is it even worth it? It's not going to get better. I'm just going to give up. Please listen to me, those in this room. If your hope is wavering, you need to tell yourself, put my hope in Jesus and do everything that you can to not waver in it. Because when you waver, it's almost like Satan has us radar, like, oh, he's wavering. Let's throw some disappointment in their direction. She's wavering. Let me throw some anxiety in her life. They're wavering. They're wavering. There are people who lose hope and give up their life because they can't see the dawn of the next day. Did you know, especially during this Christmas, uh, this Christmas season where it's supposed to be full of rejoicing and singing and family time and all the good things, it's during the Christmas time that people end their lives more times than not through the rest of the year. It's almost 50% more the rates of suicide during the Christmas season than through the rest of the year. And do you know why? Because they have no hope. It seems like it's out of reach. It seems like they can't just grasp it. This affects everybody. I mean, even in my own life, I mean, I, I, I had a friend in high school that we thought that he was just having his best life and we'd sit in auto shop and he'd be laughing and joking and we're like, oh my goodness. And he was just like the, the laughter of the, of the party. He was the class clown. And we thought everything was going well until the next day we get an email that school was canceled because my friend took his life. And it shocked us. Jill taught a young boy uh, he was in third grade, and he was, again, having the time of his life. He was smiling and laughing, and something happened. And we get a call the next day that one of our students took his own life. Third grade. Recently, and this will be the last one I share. Recently, I just had a really good pastor friend of mine. that He was doing so good, growing church beautiful family. It seemed like everything on Facebook was going well. And then I get a call from my other pastor mentors that our mutual acquaintance, he took his life. And he was a pastor. Where's the hope at? Where's the hope? The, rat, the last, the, 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 the thing that I want you to hear this morning, church, is hold on to that hope. 
Do everything that you can to not waver in it. That means you need to double up in your scripture, do it. That means you need to, you know, start listening to worship songs instead of secular music, do it. If that means you need to go seek and, and find professional help, I want to tell you this morning, do it. But if you feel like you're wavering in your hope, sprint to Jesus. Do everything that you can. And I know this world, I'm not naive, I've never been in that situation, but I do know this, that the enemy will do everything that he can to cloud you in darkness, to make you think that Jesus, he's far away, but let me tell you, Jesus is right there with you. He'll do everything to lie to you and deceive you, to make your life not seem as good as it really is, but let me tell you, if you just wait through the weary of the night, the thrill of hope, the very hope that you need that Jesus can bring, it will come with the morning sun, church. You need to hear that this morning. Persevere through the night because a new and glorious morning will come into your life. It'll happen. Number three, a day with Christ brings the help that you're seeking. If the, the team, if you wish to come up, please. A day with Christ brings the help that you're seeking. The last phrase that we look at is from Lamentations, verse 26. It says, it is good that the one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Let me tell you, it is amazing, church. If you're just down and out, you're in the weary of the night, what waiting for a day will do for your perspective. It's amazing to see that if you just persevere through the night where the Lord will meet you the very next day with the new mercies and the new graces that you need. It is amazing if you just wait a day. If you just wait for the salvation of the Lord. Tune in here, church. I, I, want, you to, I want you to get this. Because when we leave this place, we're good here, right? When we leave this place, we go back into normal life. And some of us, we're going back into that new and glorious morning and everything is just peaches and cream. But some of us, we're going back into the weariness of the night. And it seems, Lord, like, God, where is this hope that Pastor Vaughn is preaching about? Why don't I have it? And I would tell you, if, if, if you just walk a day with Christ and you just, can, if you just, do not waver in your hope. I, I can't sum up the words that I need to, for, I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit speaks that to you, but I just need you to know that a day with Christ will bring the help that you're seeking. He's a faithful God. In Scripture, there's a dead guy named Lazarus, one of Jesus' best friends, and guess what? Jesus came to his tomb site, and on the one day that Jesus was there, you know what? You guys know the story? Lazarus come out. A day with Jesus brought life to Lazarus' body. There's a story of a woman with blood issues that she struggled for 12 agonizing years going through the pain and sickness. And the one day that Jesus was in town, the one day that, that the Messiah was walking through her main street, the one day that the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings decided to come to her hometown, she touched his garment and she was healed instantly. The story of the sick man who was laying beside the pool of Bethesda, waiting for someone to help him in so that he could receive the healing. But guess what? None of the good, none of the good God lovers would help him in. But the one day that Jesus came walking beside the pool, saw the sick man laying in his state, the one day that Jesus would come to this man who everyone else would ignore, 
was the day that Jesus told him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Church, you need to know a day with Christ will bring you the help that you're seeking. One day with Jesus can bring the help that you need. Addiction, Jesus can help you with that. Struggles, Jesus can help you with that. Physical issues, you bet, Jesus can. Anger, Jesus. Lust, Jesus. Lost in sin, Jesus. Struggle with alcohol, Jesus. Lost some hope, Jesus. Do you guys see the common theme here? It's Jesus that this world needs. And the day that Jesus was born, the thrill of hope came into this world for those who find their faith in Jesus Christ. And since we live in a hopeless world, I want to encourage you, would you bring that hope to those who need it the most? It could be your neighbor. It could be your coworker. It could be your spouse. It could be your children. I don't know. But this hope is the best hope that you can find. It's better than hope than Black Friday. It's better than hope that you can self-help books. It's better than hope that you find your career with a great paying job. It's better than hope that you can find anywhere else. This is the best hope that you can find. The author, Romans, knew the importance of this. Look what he says, Romans 13. says, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. Sometimes we're just sleeping. You just need to wake up. For the salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, church. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness. And what do we do? What do we do? We put on the armor of light. Shake off the night. Embrace the new and glorious morn. Come on, church. This is the best of the best. You can't buy this. You can't try to reproduce this. You can't steal this. You can only get this when you find yourself in Jesus Christ. Listen to me, church. The night will pass. The sun will rise and a new and glorious morning will appear. And Jesus and his new mercies and grace will be there already waiting for you. I heard a pastor say this time that today, this morning, we woke up and you receive what's new from God. He's already in tomorrow working on your behalf. That's how good our God is. So can we all stand this morning? My prayer is that through this message that you just get a whole new perspective on this carol. Because it's talking about the hope that's beyond all other hope. It's talking about our kings of kings, the, the Lord of lords, our Messiah that finally came through the Virgin Mary. But he didn't have to, but he chose to. Why? So you could have hope. So you could feel loved. So you feel like that even though you're in the weariness of the night, that you can wake up the next day and say, you know what? God is with me. I'm good to go. I'm going to shake off the darkness. I'm going to put on the armor of light. Come on. Can someone put their hands together this morning? Let's celebrate. This is God that we serve. This is the Jesus in the nativity scene. This is the one that we sing about. So we're going to go back into this. Oh, holy night. And I encourage you, don't approach it as a carol. Approach it as worship. Let's raise our hands and just sing, oh, holy night. Let's go ahead and do that. Let's go into that.